We do serve a mighty God this morning. If you have your Bibles, we're going to be in the book of Ezra. This morning, Ezra chapter 1. And I want to preach a sermon I've entitled, The God of Future Events. I firmly believe this morning that the only one who knows the future is God. Amen. You can go to the quote-unquote fortune tellers and they can tell you what they think the future is. But how many know uh, that's a scam? The only one who really knows the future is God. And he is the God of future events. And we're going to get into that this morning. We're going to read a portion of scripture, the book of Ezra. And this is going to give us some insight on what God wants to speak to us this morning. Ezra chapter 1, we're going to read the first seven verses. And the text says this. Now in the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, that the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah might be fulfilled, the Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, king of Persia, that he made a proclamation throughout all his kingdoms and put also in writing, saying, Thus says Cyrus, king of Persia, The Lord God of heaven have given me all the kingdoms of the earth, and he have charged me to build him a house in Jerusalem, which is in Judah. Verse 3. Who is there among you of all his people? His God be with him. And let him go up to Jerusalem, which is in Judah, and build the house of the Lord, God of Israel. He is the God, which is in Jerusalem. And whosoever remaineth in any place where he sojourneth, let the men of his place help him with silver, and with gold, and with goods, and with beasts, besides the freewill offering for the house of, uh, of the Lord that is in Jerusalem. Verse 5. Then arose up the chief of the fathers of Judah, and of Benjamin, and the priest, the Levites, with all them whose spirit God had raised, to go up to build the house of the Lord which is in Jerusalem. And all they that were about, about them strengthened their hands with vessels of silver, gold, with goods, and with beasts, and with precious things, besides all that was willing, willingly offered. Also Cyrus the king brought forth the vessels of the house of the Lord, which Nebuchadnezzar had brought forth out of Jerusalem, and had put them in the house of his gods. Amen. The God of future events. People often make the statement that God is in control. You've said it, I've said it, God is in control. But I wonder how many of us fully understand the scope of that statement that God is in control. And what I mean by that is that you and I, when we make that statement, we live um, in the confines of a 24-hour day and a 365-day year. Amen? That's how we function. And we make our, our judgments, our perspectives based on that reality. But how many know God does not function in a 24-hour day or a 365-day year? 
God is eternal. He doesn't own a watch. He doesn't go by the time that man... Listen, I mean, no, when they change the, the clocks, daylight saving time, God's not into that. God is on God's time. And so, His control is based on His perspective, which is eternal. So He sees beyond uh, the present. He sees beyond what you and I would call the known future. And he makes the statement, I am in control, based on his perspective and not ours. If we're going to understand the fullness of the statement, God's in control, then we have to have a right perspective of it. In the scripture we just read, the time frame of the Jewish people are in captivity in Babylon. You know the history King Nebuchadnezzar rides in to Jerusalem uh, because the people had been rebellious. They were into idolatry. Uh, the judgment of God falls. Nebuchadnezzar comes in. He breaks down the walls. He destroys the temple. He deports the Jews to Babylon. He takes the vessels out of the house of God, puts them in the house of his God. And uh, this is where they are at. And in this time frame, how many remember the, main, the name of a man named Daniel? Daniel was a young man at this time. He is taken in the captivity. He is in Babylon. <clears throat> we know the story how Daniel decided to live for God even in Babylon. How many know we need to do that? Because we're living in Babylon. And we need to make a decision like Daniel did. Despite all of the wickedness around me, I'm going to live for God. I'm going to separate myself. from. I'm not going to partake of the things of the world. I'm going to keep God first, even though I'm living in the midst of Babylon. So Daniel does this. God gives him great wisdom. God promotes him. How many know God can promote you in this pagan world? He can God can give you position. God can give you status. And Daniel didn't compromise, but God moved him up the ladder, didn't he? To where he was an advisor of kings. Daniel's wisdom was sought out by every king who would come into power. See, when kings came into power, uh, they would uh, want to know how to keep their kingdom. And they had heard about Daniel's reputation. Daniel was a man, his ministry was so powerful, even Nebuchadnezzar began to acknowledge God. And so now, Cyrus comes to the kingdom. Daniel is now an older man, but he's still held in great regard. And so Cyrus comes to the kingdom, what would he do? He would want to talk to the men of wisdom in that time. And Daniel was one of those men. Uh, many Bible commentators say this. It says, uh, the Bible commentator Josephus says, It is indisputable evidence that Cyrus had seen probably through means of Daniel the prophecies which 200 years before he was born, his name is mentioned. You catch that? Here's Cyrus, 
He calls for Daniel. Daniel, I want some wisdom in how to run the kingdom. And Daniel being a godly man, Daniel didn't show him the daily newspaper. He showed him the word of God. And as he's showing this to Cyrus, no doubt Daniel, he he understands what is happening here. So he brings the word of God before this pagan king. And he shows him the scripture. And this this prophet uh, Jeremiah had spoken, Isaiah had spoken, 200 years before Cyrus was even born. And there's Cyrus' name. I mean, that would blow your mind. And Daniel's beginning to say to this man, listen, God spoke this 200 years before you were even born because our God is a God of future events. So even before he is born, God sets into motion an event that is going to include this man's life. We see this prophecy in Isaiah 45 verses 1 through 3. The prophet Isaiah says, God has given him a word. Thus saith the Lord to his anointed, to Cyrus, whose right hand I am holding to subdue nations before him. And I will loose the loins of kings to open before him the two-leaved gates, and the gates shall not be shut. I will go before thee and make the crooked places straight. I will break in pieces, uh, amen, the gates of brass and cut asunder the bars, amen, of iron. Now in history, Cyrus began to conquer nation after nation. And he was a great king. And so when Cyrus was doing this, he had no connection with God. He's just thinking, I'm Cyrus, I'm it, man. I've got power, I've got dominion. But now as he reads this scripture, something else begins to take place in his mind. Goes on to say, and I will give thee the treasures of darkness and hidden riches of secret places that thou mayest know that I, the Lord, which call thee by thy name, am God of Israel. Daniel's showing this man this. Here's his name in scripture. And God has said, I've called you by your name. I'm going to give you dominion and favor and power and authority. And Cyrus is thinking back to all of his previous victories that he thought was him. How many know God's in control? We go on in Isaiah 44, verse 28. That saith of Cyrus, this is God saying, that saith of Cyrus, he is my shepherd. And shall perform all my pleasure even saying to Jerusalem, Thou shalt be built, and the temple, thy foundation shall be laid. So Daniel goes in and he's showing this pagan king the scriptures. And in that he sees his name written down and he hears about the proclamation that God says he's going to do uh, through his life. And now Cyrus is thinking back to all the victories he had. And now he understands that was not just me, but God was involved. 200 years before he's even born. This is powerful this morning. When Nebuchadnezzar had captured Jerusalem, he broke down the walls, he destroyed the temple. And now Cyrus, who was not a Jew, he's a Gentile. 
He has no affiliation with the Jewish people. In fact, they are his enemies. But yet, when he realizes that it wasn't him, but it was God, what effect did that have on his life? Remember when Nebuchadnezzar had built the gardens of Babylon, the hanging gardens of Babylon? The Bible says he went out one day, and he says, look what I have made with my hands. And the Bible says the moment that he spoke, that judgment fell, and later on, He's out in the field grazing like a wild animal. His nails were growing, his hair, he had lost his mind. Until one day he looked up and he says, he realized, you know what, God, you're the one. You did all of this. You're the king. And his sanity came back. So Cyrus hears all of these great things. He realizes that the victories he had were not his, but they were in fact God's. What is his response? His response is in Ezra chapter 1 verse 2 in our text. Thus saith Cyrus king of Persia, The Lord God of heaven hath given me all the kingdoms of the world and have charged me to build him a house at Jerusalem, which is in Judea. So when Cyrus hears this from Daniel, Cyrus's, uh, his response is, This is God indeed. And so when he makes his proclamation, the Lord God of heaven has given me all the kingdoms. People are probably thinking, who is this guy? What is he talking about? See, the scripture gripped him. The scripture affected him. And he makes this proclamation not out of pride. But what he's saying is the God of future events has set things into motion. And he has put me in that event. And he has told me to rebuild the walls and to build him a house in Jerusalem. So I want to look with you next at connecting with destiny. When we talk about destiny, people, people talk about karma. Listen, <coughs> destiny is not karma. We're talking about something that God establishes. I mean, karma is all about feelings. Chance, happenstance. No, God is faithful to perform what he has said. So when Cyrus hears this, he made a decision to connect his life with the word of God. I want you to catch that. He made a decision to connect his life with what he had worded, read in the word of God. After Daniel shows him this, Cyrus makes his proclamation that God has given me this. And what he's saying is, I'm going to connect my life with what God has spoken. And you and I have the same ability this morning. We have the word of God, amen? And we can read it, but we have to connect ourselves to it. And his decision... To connect himself to the word of God. When he does this he gets the revelation that God is in control. Because he's thinking even before I was born. God set this in motion. Think about this this morning. Even before you were born. There were events that God set into motion for your life. And as we hear the word of God. We have a decision to make. I think back to when I first 
God witnessed to about Jesus uh, accepting him in my life, I rejected it. I wanted nothing to do with it. I was all set. I was living in a nice house. I had a car. I was making good money. And in my mind, I, you know, I'm, I'm good to go. So I heard the word of God, but I didn't connect my life to it. And as the saying goes in the ring, you know the rest of the stories. Paul Harvey would say, it wasn't a good ending. Because when you, when you don't connect your life with the things of God, it's never a good ending. So Cyrus makes a decision. And he makes this proclamation in our, chapter, in our text, verses 3 and 4. Who is there among you of all his people? Is God be with him? Let him go up to Jerusalem, which is in Judah. Build the house of the Lord, God of Israel. He is the God which is in Jerusalem. And whosoever remaineth in any place where he sojourneth, let the men of this place help them uh, with silver, with gold, and with uh, uh, goods, and with beasts besides the free will offering. Now I want to take your, your attention to the, the phrase, the free will offering. This was something God established with the Jewish people. Cyrus is not Jewish. He was not raised in the Jewish religion. He knows nothing about the customs or traditions. Yet he says, the free will offering. Where did he get that from? The word of God. And he decided to make a decision. This is how you connect your life to the word of God. Is that you make a decision to agree with and obey what God has spoken. And so he's raised outside of this understanding, but he connects it to it. He says also there's a free will offering. This was the first offering that the people gave when they got delivered from Egypt the first time. Passover, they came out of Egypt. God says take an offering of the people. He didn't put any rest- no, no, no amount on it. But the Bible says they're going to be free will offering. God was checking to see how grateful they were they were delivered. And so here Cyrus says, the free will offering. This man is now connecting with what God has spoken. He's now casting off the false gods of his teacher, of his people. And he's embracing the God of Israel. That was a major step. Because sometimes, you know, when people get raised in certain religions, and then they hear the truth... They believe the truth, but leaving that thing they were raised in is very difficult. And so here's Cyrus, he's raised totally outside of the things of God, but when he hears the truth, he connects his life to it, and that is seen as his actions, he's now proclaiming what God has said. And this is very, very powerful, because this allows God to begin to work in our lives. Hallelujah. Cyrus is now attached to one of the greatest, one of the great events of human history. The rebuilding of the walls of Jerusalem and the temple. It was the second temple. And here his name was attached to it. He was not born a Jew. He was not born in, in that religion. But because he attached himself to what God was doing, God elevated his names so that you and I even reading it today. Thousands of years later. 
Because when you attach yourself to God's future event, something powerful can happen. And so now, they go back, um, and they're building this because Cyrus has made a decision to obey God. We live in a time where people don't have any spiritual walls. See, the spiritual realm, walls represent dominion, protection, favor, right? So when Nebuchadnezzar went into Jerusalem, what did he do? He broke down the walls. Why? Because now he can come and go as he pleases. And in our spirit, when our walls are broken down, the devil can come and go as he pleases. Whenever he wants to ride in and destroy our lives, he can do it. So God had released the people to go back and rebuild what? The walls. In other words, rebuild your testimony of me in your life. Rebuild dominion and authority. That's what they're released to do. The book of Proverbs in chapter 25 says this. He that hath no rule over his own spirit is like a city that is broken down and without walls. And so the Bible is telling you and I, without spiritual walls in our lives, we have no dominion. We can't get free from bondages. We can't get free from addiction. We can't get free from unforgiveness. We can't get free from prejudice or hatred. Because those are all the things the devil likes to function in. I mean, the devil's bitter. And he'll make you bitter if you let him. And so he says, when we have no spiritual walls, we're like a city that is broken down walls so the enemy can ride in and do whatever he wants to do whenever he feels like doing it. So God says, you go back and you do what? Rebuild the walls. You go back and you establish dominion in your life. This is what rebuilding the walls was all about in the days of Cyrus. God wanted his people to have authority. Amen. God doesn't want you and I to live our lives like a roller coaster. Right? God wants us to have dominion. He wants us to have authority <clears throat> over the devil. Listen to what it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4 and 5. For the weapons of our warfare, <clears throat> excuse me, are not carnal, but mighty through God. To the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. This is powerful. He says we're in a spiritual battle. Our weapons are not carnal. They're not knives and guns and tanks. No, our weapons are spiritual. He says they're mighty. They're connected to God. And they can bring down spiritual strongholds. Hallelujah. And then he says something very powerful. Bringing into captivity every thought. How many know our battles in the mind this morning? And here the word of God is addressing that the battle's in the mind. The battle's not with your neighbor. The battle's not with, even with your enemy. The battle's in here. And it says that the weapons that we have are designed to pull down strongholds and to bring in captivity every thought. 
Think about this. The God is saying your thoughts can be your worst enemy. How many ever thought something that turned out to be not true? You were convinced that this is the way it was only to find out that wasn't what happened at all. Because thoughts are spiritual and they can bring us into captivity. They can bring us into captivity. But the word of God says that you and I have the ability to bring our thoughts into captivity. You and I have the ability to arrest thoughts that are not from God. Think about that. During the course of a day, how many times does the devil shoot a negative thought at your mind? Those fiery darts that make you think negative things, that make you think uh, 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 wicked things, uh, those arrows uh, that try and start a flaming fire in your mind. One of the ways they would battle in the ancient times, they would light the arrow on fire and fire it. It would stick into the wall and begin to burn. That's what the devil does in our minds. Those fiery darts, he launches into our mind, and if it's left there, it will burn you down. But the Bible is saying that you and I have the ability to bring them into captivity. When you've built up your spiritual walls, you now have authority. And something comes over the wall, and what you do is you sound the alarm. Hey, what are you doing in here? All right, let me see your ID. Right? We want to check you out. You can't just roam around in here. But see, if we don't have any walls, I mean, the devil just comes in and roams around. I mean, he, he'll bring in all of his furniture. He'll bring his relatives in. And he'll set up camp in your mind. And you'll, be, you'll live a tormented life, won't you? But see, the Bible says we can take it in captivity. The Spirit of God is giving you the authority to arrest thoughts that are not from God. That's powerful. Because there's been times I've been walking down the street. You know what? I've got the victory, living for God. All of a sudden, this wicked thought. Where does that come from? That comes from hell. But I can arrest it. Alright, get up against the wall, assume the position, you're under arrest. Amen? You're under arrest, man. No, you, 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 and then you cast it out. Because when you do that, it cannot start a fire. And so the devil loves it when people don't, listen, there's lots of folks who believe God is real, but they have no spiritual walls. They have no dominion. But see, God says you go back to Jerusalem and you rebuild the walls. You rebuild the temple. You're rebuilding the testimony of me. I mean, God's a God of dominion. Hallelujah. So you're going to have to start arresting thoughts that enter your mind. Every negative thought that comes in, you have to interrogate it. What are your intentions? What are you trying to accomplish? No, 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 no. You're not allowed in here anymore. You have to leave. So listen to this. The walls that you build 
The higher that you build them, the fewer things they can get over it. And what happens is, down the road, you don't have to deal with as many negative thoughts. Because your walls are higher. Your dominion is greater. And the devil, he's trying to get stuff over the wall and it's just, it's not reaching. So that's why the devil doesn't want you to build walls. Ah, oh, you don't need to obey. Don't listen to that preacher. He's crazy. Don't do under that Jesus stuff. No, don't do it. You're fine. You believe in God, right? You're all set. Keep low walls so you can just lob stuff over when you're not looking. Right? Like a garden. You plant a garden. How many of you, ever, you ever plant weeds? Nobody plants weeds. There they are. So how'd they get in there? Jesus said an enemy have done this while men slept. Let's look finally at living in future events. Because this is what I want us to see this morning. Living in future events. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 verses 9 and 10. But as it is written, I have not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for them that love him, but God has revealed them unto us by his spirit. Cyrus experienced this. He never imagined in a million years that God was using his life. An event that was spoken 200 years before he was born. 200 years before he was born. That was meant for his life. So I submit to you this morning. God not only does that for Cyrus, but for every living soul. And that means that you and I can live in future events. This is why it's so important that we obey God. As I'm putting this sermon together, I'm thinking God has inspired me. And I'm, and I'm thinking, here we are, my wife and I, in the city of Pittsburgh. We were living on the Cape Cod before that. We were happily serving God. We were living in a little cottage down by the ocean. Two-minute walk to the ocean. I mean, we, we were just, just loving God, serving God. And all of a sudden, uh, things began to change. My pastor said... We need someone to take over a work in Pittsburgh. And we said, yes, we'll do that. Right Two weeks after we said that, COVID hit. Everything was locked down. Everything, And so here we are, we're moving across the, uh, the, 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 the state to, to come here. We arrive. Listen, just obeying God. But how many know we live in future events? So we get here, everything is shut down. So what do we do? We go on the street, we're preaching the gospel. That's what we do. We go up in Bloomfield, we're preaching the gospel. And lo and behold, the brother Angelo walks by and he sees us. God speaks to him, that's the church you're going to go to. And so because here we are walking, obeying God, God can move you into future events. So we go there, we, we were preaching, he responds, he's with us today, amen, serving God. Amen. Because God has set up events for you to affect someone's life for the gospel. You, 
Your name, God, listen, how many know God knew your name before your parents gave you the name they gave you? He knew it. And he had something set up for you. Hallelujah. We're here in this building. Butler Street. Brother Chuck, he's driving by and he sees the sign. He rolls into service. Because we're where God wanted us to be because of a future event. God says, I know this guy, Chuck. I know his routine. I want to put a church right in his way where you can't escape. <laughs> Amen? Future events. I'm dropping off a man who used to come to church. I'm talking to him in the parking lot. And uh, Brother Andre's mother comes up behind me. She, she thought I was her brother. I mean, no God can do what he needs to do. Amen? And so she, I began to talk to her. She said, well, you know what? Uh, it's interesting. My son was looking for a church. She began to tell me he had suffered a stroke. He was in the rehab, not doing well. I began to go and pray for him. And here he is with us this morning. The God of future events. If you and I will obey God, God can move us in mysterious ways. Amen. Amen. We have Sister Martha with us. She sees the change in her son's life in one of our churches in Peru. And she says, well, is there a church like that around me? The pastor looks up the address, gives her the address for the church. She comes not really knowing what to expect. She comes in and uh, she wants to serve God. And yet here's my wife who's bilingual who can converse with her openly because God's the God of, open, of, of future events. He sets things in place. He says, even before Cyrus was born, there's an event. Before we were born, there are events that you and I can be involved in that bring blessing to people's lives. The children of Israel went back when Cyrus released them and they rebuilt the temple. They rebuilt their lives. We live in a world where many lives are broken down, amen? But I tell you this morning, you got to hear this. It is imperative that you serve God because there are people that God wants to use you to bring into the kingdom of God. Amen? There are people that God has already set up and that they need to interact with you and that's going to release them to God, to God's will. But if we're not where God wants us to be, these events never happen. If Daniel did not maintain his integrity and his relationship with God, when Cyrus called him, Daniel has nothing to show. Right? But because Daniel remained faithful, he's able to say, hey, Cyrus, look at the word of God. Look what God says here. Look what this says here. And that's how God's going to use you. I am confident beyond the shadow of a doubt that God is going to build a church here in the city. And it's linked to you and I. There are people, what I'm trying to get, there are people that God has already set up. For salvation. But it's linked to us. God's going to raise up a mighty work in this place. Amen. By his spirit. And so. 
I'm challenging you to say, begin to pray, God, I want to live in the future event that you've already set up for me. Because just like God brought you here, He's going to do it to others. And others. And others. Because that's the way God works. And you're going to see people rebuild their lives. One of the greatest rewards is seeing people's lives turn around. Imagine when Cyrus was able to go to Jerusalem and saw the temple the people had rebuilt. He said, man, I had a part in that. That's a great, great thing. Amen. Let's, let's take a moment and bow our heads this morning. We want to pray before we leave. Hallelujah. We want to believe God for his miracle grace this morning. As we have our heads bowed and our eyes closed in the house of God this morning. And this is between you and your creator. The first order of business is always salvation. Being right with the Lord Jesus Christ. While we are here in the presence of God and our hearts are bowed before him. And I wonder how many there would be in the house of God. Just say, you know what, I've never made a personal decision for Jesus Christ. I've never accepted Christ as my personal Savior. But I would like to do that this morning. Whether you're here in the church or watching online, just lift your hands. Say, that's me. I've never made a public profession of Jesus. But I would like to do that this morning. I want to pray for you. Maybe you once gave your life to the Lord, but you... Went back into the world. You became a prodigal. Said, Lord, give me my inheritance. I want to do my own thing. But this morning, you want to recommit your heart to Jesus. If you're watching online or in the house of God, lift your hand. Say, pray for me. I need that grace in my life. Moving on then, talking to the people of God this morning. God has events that are meant for your life. The devil's going to try to distract you going to try to hinder you, going to try to put fiery darts in your mind, but I want to encourage you as you continue to walk with God, there are lives that are going to be changed and blessed because you chose to obey God. And maybe this morning you're struggling in your mind. Some of those fiery darts have landed and there's things that are troubling you. I want to tell you this morning, God has sent the answer is to arrest them. Maybe you need to rebuild the walls of your dominion in your mind this morning. God wants to help you there as well. Let's all stand this morning. The altars are open. You come this morning. Whatever God has spoken to you, maybe about being where you need to be, maybe about arresting those negative thoughts that come into your mind, come before the Lord this morning and say, God, I need you. I need help in this area of my life. Lord, strengthen my dominion. Lord, enlarge my walls. I want to be connected to your future event for my life. I don't want to miss what you're doing, Jesus. Oh, hallelujah.